The fit came about kind of naturally from um, ADMI just mentioned that she'd had this dream about Draco getting off a train and Harry hugging him and them having this like weird, awkward energy between them. And then we started talking a little bit about that um, and kind of mapping out what could happen next, kind of just like for jokes. And then I (laughs) was just like, cool, great. I've started writing it. And they were like, oh, great. Good luck. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. We are all writing this. So then I proceeded to force them to write this fic uh, and the image I had in my head for this was kind of like, um, you know, a big burly drill sergeant pushing them out of planes in Vietnam being like, right, keep writing. And so they <laughs> they kind of didn't realise what they were getting into, but um, the fic came about pretty quickly because I am a terror to write with. So I think we wrote all of it in about three weeks. Tepra and I both agree that this was just like an incredibly eye-opening experience. Writing with Tepra and Idiomaya was really cool because I've admired both of their writing a lot. Uh, and I think with Tepra in particular, I think her style is so different from mine because her style is very floaty and lovely and she describes every room every character goes into, whereas I kind of just whiz through. And the way that the story was written, I think this is probably fair to say, is that I, I think I, I more or less wrote the first draft and then they kind of followed behind me just filling everything in. Because if I had written it, it would have been just 12k of bantering about cows. And that was, it was just, it was really cool to see like where they expanded, right? So obviously, uh, Tepro would come behind me and just, <laughs> just flesh out every single room anyone walked into and make everything beautiful and pretty and then you know, she went and added all these, you know, emotional scenes to make the emotional arcs make sense. Because I kind of never, especially with Harry, my problem with Harry is I really just don't give a shit about him. I find him, (laughs) he reminds me a bit of like how when I was a child and I had loads and loads of Barbies and I had one Ken doll. And the point of the Ken doll was just so that whoever my favourite Barbie of the day was could end up with the Ken doll. That's kind of how I feel about Harry, which I know is unfair because I actually really like him in the books. He's he's one of my favourite canonical characters, but there's something about writing him that just leaves me cold. And so it was really nice to have Tepra behind me, just like making him into a real person. Because I think in my fix, he's often just a bit of a plot device and I'm only focused on Draco. So that was really cool. And then Idiomai just made everything horrible. You'd write something that was you know, decently angsty. And then ADMI would come in and just make it fucking ghastly. And it was just a delight to watch how how she could make everything so much angstier, just like that. I mean, they both, they're both angst queens, to be honest with you. Um, the other thing that was interesting, and I'll talk about this a little bit more later, was obviously they're both very good at sex scenes. When I write fix, I kind of hope against hope that there will be no sex. And sometimes it creeps in and I'm like, oh no, now I'll be, you know, my reputation will be ruined and I'll never find a husband. You know, it's, I'm very Victorian about it. Um, so it was fascinating to watch them kind of add in so much sexual tension that I just us- usually leave out. I asked Tepra how she found the experience of writing with us uh, and I'll quote what she said. She said, I'd never done it before and I couldn't even imagine how it would work, like really work. And once we started the process and I saw it was a matter of like everyone has a slightly different role slash contribution, but how everyone's hand was needed in shaping it. Not to be too extra about it, but it was definitely one of the most eye opening experiences I've had in writing for a long time. Also, I learned that I get really lazy when I know other people will pick up my slack. Yikes. 
which I agree with. It was weird. It was weird going back to write it because I was also writing my Hurtfest fic at the same time. Um, and it, it was very strange to just be writing this fic where um, I would suddenly realise that I had like deliberately skimmed over a scene because I was assuming that ADMI and Tepra would be right behind me just fixing it for me. And then they weren't. And it was like taking the training wheels off. I will say that if you are a writer, especially if you write fic, I think this is a really cool experience. And I think uh, the fandom really facilitates people working together and, and writing things together. And one of the things that's stressful about writing with someone else in the real world is that there are more serious consequences for it. Like I've, I've written with other writers before on things, uh, but usually when we were trying to say sell something and that's so much more stressful because then you feel as if like, oh, well, if anything goes wrong, then my name is going to be on something that I don't approve of. Whereas in fanfic, of course, it doesn't matter. So you really just get to benefit from writing with someone else and seeing how someone else's brain works. And I, I think it it was a really invaluable experience. It taught me a lot about writing. For instance, uh, Adi and I went through and just like cut all of our paragraphs as in we... <laughs> Tepra and I both have a habit of having these very dramatic paragraph breaks where um, it'll be like, Harry looked at Draco, paragraph break. Draco looked at Harry. And ADMI was like, you guys, calm down. This is so extra. It's so melodramatic. You, like, the paragraph breaks are there to show something dramatic happening. You, you don't need there to be one every time one of them passes them the salt uh and that was really helpful to me and I've been noticing it in my other writing as well and you know she's right so that was something I learned and I also learned that all three of us are absolutely addicted to dashes like there are so many dashes in this story it's crazy we need to learn how to do dialogue without them I will say that I think all three of us write better when we're not writing together uh I think a Tepra story is more sort of uniquely beautiful and an ADMI story has, a, you know, usually a, a better plot and my stories are, I don't know, a bit sparser. And when we threw in our writing together, I think it was really fun for us. But um, I do feel in some ways as if it was quite self-indulgent because I, I'm pretty sure that um, we write better on our own. But maybe there's some dream reader out there for whom only our work together satisfies and all other forms of our writing are just disappointing in comparison. Actually, I'd be interested to hear what uh, like listeners think about that because uh, I feel that pretty strongly. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I think the butthole is good. Uh, I, ju I just think that um, all of us write better on our own. So I'd be, I'd be very curious to see if people agree with that. I mean, I kind of hope you do because if you don't, um, then, you know, that's a depressing state because I don't think Tepra, ADMI and I can just sit and write stories together all the time. I asked uh, ADMI and Tepra whether they found anything kind of surprising about working with the other two. Uh, and this is what ADMI said. I'll, I'll quote. I felt very lucky that I basically got to sit back and watch you two work your magic and then come in and add some more pain now and then. It felt like a delight, not hard. It was interesting watching you guys take it in directions I would never have on my own, like the hoarder plotline and the pinky character. It felt like an insight into someone's brain and watching them get to shape a story. It reminded me of how writing can be so much more communal than we tend to think of, but also so beautifully specific. What fun. ADMI, I think, was like paranoid about not having contributed to this story enough, which is mental because they massively helped in the plotting of it. And there was this one part early in the story, there was a lot of just, you know, Draco and Harry hanging out in a cottage. And ADMI was like, you guys, do you think maybe something should um, happen? 
at some point to the characters <laughs> and Tepper and I were like what do you mean they're having chats and Indy and I was like yeah but what if there was a you know a, a plot point at some point and so then we added the um the cursed uh coin which I think that might have been I had already brought up Samuel Taylor Coleridge earlier on and so I kind of just expanded on that and the idea of guilt and curses uh, and that's very much my method of plotting by the way which is just if you mention specifics all the time then those specifics often create a plot right if if you know exactly what everyone's job is and what they're working on it's easier for that to turn into a plot later for instance in my story can i tell you something i had harry as an aura and just harry chatting to draco about his job led to a very important plot point that came up later on so uh i i kind of do that rather than sitting down and, and mapping everything out i'll just kind of have them talk very candidly about their lives and i know everything about their lives when i'm writing it and then that tends to lead very naturally to plot although tepra is an absolute plotter uh <laughs> we'll just write everything out um she told me a little bit about her plot for grounds for divorce and like how it was this massive document that had all the plot points and all the scenes which is a very screenwriter way of going about it actually um my way is i think much more like a sort of amateur way to be honest with you but never mind so then tepra to the question of what was surprising about working together this was tepra's answer hard same on adi take sometimes there'd be more backtracking that needed to happen than i'm used to like we suddenly veered very far into angst and then had to reel it back and make it work again but even that was just a blast to figure out puzzle over also i don't know if there's any greater voyeuristic joy than coming into the dock and seeing there's someone else in there in the process of writing a scene and then you just sit yourself down with your popcorn and watch the words come into life it's like being read to it's wonderful uh, yeah, so we wrote everything in a Google Doc. And so it was kind of interesting just watching other people write sometimes. Although personally, the one time that happened, I started writing something and then ADMI came into the doc and like started watching me. And I just, it was like, mm, to be nerdy about it, it was like that scene in the fifth book when Cho Chang is trying to do some, I don't know, spell in the DA and Harry walks by and she can't do it anymore. That's how it felt. I was like, ADMI, you're Harry and I'm Cho. I asked Tepper and ADMI how they felt the thick was different from their other stories because of the influence of the other two. So uh, this is what ADMI said. I mean, I have to admit, I did not pull my weight at all compared to the two of you. So I think it's very different from my stories in that it wasn't led by me, you know. It is funnier and more beautiful as a result. It also feels like a slightly more competent Draco than I usually allow him to be, which was a fun change. ADMI, as I have already pointed out, is completely deluded about her influence on this fic, but fine, we'll let her have her, her beliefs. In ADMI's fics, Draco is often just like a massive mess, whereas um, in my fics, he tends to be like very self-contained and um, has done so much soul searching that he's actually like very different from canon. Whereas I think ADMI's Draco tends to be much more uh, canon compliant. So I can see that that would have been different for her. So when I asked Tepra that question, uh, how is the fic different from her own stories? This is what Tepra said. Oh, so very different, but also... It still feels like I can recognise it as mine, too. There was action, like relatively, and a curse scene, and Draco's guilt, which are all things I stay away from because I don't think I can execute them very well on my own. But I was thrilled to get to have them without having to write them. There was also more humour and flirting, which I would never, and a lot more ease and air. Yes, I think that's it. There's such an airy pacing to it and laughter, which, as some people will know, is not exactly my gentle touch, but I love it so much. Um, <laughs> it's true that I think... Uh, I think Tepra's fix are less about um, laughter and flirting and more about sort of people 
looking at each other once in a sitting room and then falling desperately horribly in love and then just being in pain for six or seven years and then they cross each other once more and this time their hands brush against each other and now their love is confirmed and we we kind of um so I'm a massive egotist and I like to cast everyone I know as famous authors. And so I have already cast um, Tepra as E.M. Forster. E.M. Forster is one of my favourite novelists. And that's exactly the kind of writing he does, right? Is he, he, he'll he write about, <laughs> it'll be like two people in a drawing room and they both reach for a handkerchief at the same time and then it destroys their lives. And that's like everything that Tepper has ever written, I feel like, is these tiny moments of connection that just erupt and blossom into something that is huge. Uh, it's all about the importance of emotions. It's very capital R romantic. Um, and I, I admire it a great deal. I I mean, I'm such a Forster fan. So it's very cool for me to get to write with uh, Tepper because I get to see how she executes that because I've read it and like I've read Grounds for Divorce and Grounds for Divorce is one of my favorite fics and I had no idea how she got there and that was why it was so interesting for me that I would write this silly little scene with them like getting into an argument and then Tepra would just f fill it out with this huge internal world I think maybe my internal world's just not that big maybe that's what it is maybe she just has a much larger um mind than I do I suspect that's the case so one of Tepra's favourite authors is Ian Forster. So that's why it, it kind of works particularly well that she sort of writes like him. And by the way, if you like gay fiction and you haven't read Ian Forster's Maurice, what are you doing? It is so good. It, he wrote it in 1913, but didn't publish it until 1971 uh, because he was dead by then. And it's just, oh my God, it's stunning. It's gorgeous. You must read it. Uh, it's really great. Anyway, um, with ADMI, it's a little bit harder because I think one of ADMI's favorite authors is Hemingway. And so I'm happy to cast her as Hemingway if that's what she wants. I don't know if I agree that her writing is Hemingway-ish because... I think one of the things that's so cool about ADMA's writing is her plots. And I feel like Hemingway's plots are kind of secondary to his playfulness with language. But I do think that both Hemingway and ADMA have this kind of uh, strictness with language in a way where the, the pace is pretty good. The pace is pretty fast. So maybe that's who she is. And then personally, I have always aimed to be Tolstoy because of Anna Karenina. This is a fucking mental segment of this bonus episode, and I suspect it's very embarrassing. Tepra and ADMI both very flatteringly said the story was funnier than it would usually be, which I find surprising because I find both of them quite funny writers. But I will admit that my very favourite thing to write is ban basically, I feel like if I'm left on my own, all that will happen is Draco and Harry will banter, then Harry will do something incredibly cruel, and then they'll get into a big, sad, bantery fight, and then they'll have a nice, bantery makeup chat, and then the fic ends. So I'm really just there for the dialogue and the angst. Maybe that's what they're talking about, I guess. I will admit, I'm the one who added the chickens. And by the way, they fought me hard because I really wanted to put the, the, um, the chickens magazine picture in the main text of the document and both of them were like no this is kind of a serious scene and I was like but have you seen the picture of the chickens magazine and they were like we 
we recognize that it's a funny picture, but you can't just chuck in magazine covers into the middle of a story when there's something happening. And I was like, well, you guys are both no fun. So we didn't do that. We put it in the notes, which I think was a huge artistic mistake. The other thing that I will take credit for in terms of humour was Harry's t-shirts. So he has a couple of different awful t-shirts. So for instance, he has one that says, um, (laughs) he has one that's just a picture of a massive crab that says, ask me about my crabs, which I just thought was hilarious. And then another one, which he just wears one of those, um, actually I think Draco wears it, the FBI female body inspector. And I just, I don't know why, but I really liked that as a, as a trope. And I would, I will say I also did a lot of the random specifics in the hoarding for which I basically used an improv game. So there's this improv game where you have a minute and you have to pull objects out of an imaginary black bag and none of the objects can have anything to do with any of the other objects. And if they seem in any way linked, uh, people will buzz at you. And so when I was listing things that Harry hoarded, I was kind of using that same technique. Wait, wait. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll try and do an example of it. I'm going to do the black, the black bag. So I've got the black bag in front of me and I'm going to pull out a series of random objects. A goldfish, a feather duster, a book of British castles, a tin of green beans, wrapping paper, a pelican. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, oh no. Okay, well, there you go. My husband buzzed me because it took me too long. But I will just say I had performance anxiety in that case. But the point is that what I was actually doing is I was using, um, I was I was making connections in my head that I was hiding, right? So the first one I said was a goldfish. That makes me think of the French children's book, uh, Les Malheurs de Sophie, in which um, Sophie cuts up a bunch of goldfish. And uh, so I was like, okay, France. And then I was like, right, so French castles like in Beauty and the Beast. So my favorite character in Beauty and the Beast is the Feather Duster. So Feather Duster. So yeah, you kind of go like that. So when I was thinking of specific objects uh, that Harry had hoarded, um, there were two things I was thinking about. One was, you know, how can I come up with something that seems completely unrelated to the other things? And the other thing was, I was trying to not make them super feminine objects because a couple of times the the first draft of objects that whoever wrote, my, me or Tepra or IDMI, were kind of things that all three of us would fancy buying. <laughs> and it was like, Harry probably doesn't want like an old wedding dress or uh, a diamond bracelet. You know, that's probably not what he's going for. He's probably going for like gym equipment. So I was kind of on the lookout for both those things. So anyone who's read a lot of my fix will know that um, just from reading the notes that I hate writing the endings I just hate them because once they've kissed and said I love you I'm just like can't you guys figure it out like can't you readers just put it together obviously they love each other it's everything's gonna be fucking fine and dandy now why do I have to bloody write it uh but I surprisingly kind of enjoyed writing I think I wrote a lot of the ending of this one um not all of it but I I kind of went through and did you know the the framework uh and I actually ended up really liking the the very last scene, which is Harry and Draco sitting outside and Draco having a fight with a wasp. Uh, and I just thought it was quite a sweet place to end. It's very possible that the last scene in which Draco fights a wasp was influenced by how many fucking wasps there are in my house at the moment. There are so... It's 
they've taken over, right? They are colonizing. There is one bedroom in the house that we now just call the wasp bedroom and have given up on. We've closed it off. No one goes in. It's too late. They've got the bedroom, right? That's it for that bedroom now. When you go in, there's like 60 wasps on the... No, that's too many wasps. It's like two dozen wasps. That's still a lot of wasps. When you, like when you think about how many wasps that is. Anyway, so we got this exterminator to come in and <laughs> bear in mind, I have been killing like three wasps a day and this exterminator comes in he's just like well i couldn't find a wasp nest so i think you probably actually don't have a problem and we were like have you been into the wasp bedroom turns out he's allergic to wasps which is like look i get i get that the job market's tough but surely there is another career you could have picked other than wasp exterminator if you are allergic to wasps anyway so he just left and now I don't know. I guess I guess this is it. It's like when the army refuses to come in in movies during a zombie apocalypse. Like we're just dealing with this on our own. Anyway, so I very much related to Draco and the wasp fight because I fucking wish I could stupefy a wasp. In this fic, Ron and Draco have a big flirtation going and genuinely I ended up kind of shipping them because they are so like secretly quietly into each other. And to be honest, I think it comes from um, my personal life, which is that I am slightly in love with my husband's best friend. And my husband's best friend knows this. And my husband knows this. And my husband's best friend's wife knows this. We all know it. Um, and it it like is varying degrees of serious. Like mostly it's a joke because he's incredibly hot. And we all agree. Like everyone knows how hot this guy is. There's one scene between Draco and Ron where Ron is like, listen, how serious are you in this like play crush that you have on me and Draco's like yeah I mean it is real but also it is also a joke and that was basically based on this conversation I had with my husband's best friend when we were in Australia together and my crush at that point was pretty extreme and one day we were walking and he just said how serious are you about this and I was like well I I do want to kiss you all over but also I am joking and he was like, huh. And then, and then we kind of put it to rest. Uh, so I don't know. I think it just seemed very natural to me. And I think there's something kind of charming about uh, a relationship that is secure enough that you can kind of fancy people outside it without that feeling threatening because you just know that you love each other so much more than you could love anyone else. Guys, there's so much sex in this story. I look, it's honestly, there's just, I mean, look, I'm not saying it's not hot because it definitely is, but it is also incredibly scandalous. And I had to read it out loud. So, you know, I resented that. Um, <laughs> that the, the Draco being fucked up against a wall scene. Let's talk about that first because holy hell, that was so so good i think that was mainly admi i'm pretty sure i I think tepra went in and added stuff i didn't touch it in any way and i steered fucking far away from all the sex scenes because my god people might read them it was really interesting to see how they wrote them and tepra talks a little bit about how to write a sex scene and she says that when you're writing a sex scene what you need to think about is what is the sex scene for? Because they have different purposes, right? Uh, Maybe it's to titillate. Maybe it's to show character development. Maybe it is to be kind of repulsive. Or maybe it's to further the plot. Whatever the reason is, it needs to be clear. You need to know, as the author, what is the sex scene supposed to do? So for instance, if we take the wall sex scene, um, it's definitely titillating, I think. 
But it also is kind of character development. It's sort of two in one. I would say that when I write sex scenes, they're never supposed to be titillating. I haven't ever really tried that. Um, It's sort of maybe sometimes a side effect, but um, it's never my aim. My aim is always character development. But I do think I learned a lot about how to make a sex scene hotter just by watching them write it. There are also some really hot sex scenes, I think, in chapter five that Tepper wrote. And it was just really interesting seeing how they differentiated also between each other, like the ADMI sex scene versus the Tepper sex scenes. Hitchcock says, well, said, is he alive? Whatever. He's dead. dead. I have just been been informed that Hitchcock is dead. You heard it here first, folks. Hitchcock said that you should film murder scenes like sex scenes and sex scenes like murder scenes, which I really love as a piece of advice. And I actually think that the ADMI... um, sex scene the i hope i'm not mistaken in calling that the admi sex scene i think they both worked on it but it it felt like it was mainly admi because um tepper and i were both like by the way admi can draco be ravished against a wall can you do that for us please thank you anyway i thought that scene was a sex scene that was written a little bit like a murder scene it has that kind of angry tension which i think definitely made it stronger my theory about sex in fix is that um i think it I think they're great. I really like them. I think you lose the tension once they've both admitted they love each other. Um, I think some people enjoy reading sex scenes just because they're hot. For me, I only find them sort of hot and titillating if there's a lot of uh, angst or emotional development in the scene. So I find it hot when you've got a sex scene between two characters who don't know that the other one loves each other or if it's the first time after they've said they love each other. Um, anything that makes it kind of different from any other times that have come before I think is attractive but what I don't find so interesting is just like okay these characters are in love with each other and now they're sleeping with each other again and again and again and for me uh, that just kind of loses its allure so I think that's something that I it's probably just personal to me but um, most of the time I don't want there to be many sex scenes after they said I love you because I'm like, I get it. And then it starts feeling a bit voyeuristic. Like I'm like watching something that's too personal. Just watching two people in love having sex feels sort of like I shouldn't be there. But I recognize that I'm I'm probably alone in this. It was fun getting the comments for this fic because obviously people didn't really know how it had been written and who had written what. So one of my favorite comments was someone, I can't remember who it was, who just <laughs> clearly knew all of our writing well enough that they just, they just knew. They were like, Tepra, I think you did a really great job with the weather in the train scene. Gala, I thought you did a really good job with the dialogue in the blood. And they just kept going like that. And everything they said was correct. Like they had, of course, correctly guessed, you know, that Tepra had written the snow blinking by the train windows kind of scene. Um... It was kind of satisfying to to know that that person at least knew all three of us well enough to be able to guess that way, which was just kind of fun. ADMI said their favourite comment was, I'll read what they said. I like the commenter who asked that we distance ourselves from J.K. Rowling's transphobic views. To me personally, it feels a bit like rewriting history to go back and add an author's note to that effect, but I'll do it from now on. It's a good idea. And maybe say something like, I stand in solidarity with my trans comrades. Fuck J.K. and TERFs forever. ADMI out. <laughs> and actually in ADMI's latest um story Far From the Tree which is great uh she does do that so it should go without saying but unfortunately you kind of do have to say it 
it's really shit that the things that JK Rowling has said have made fandom so much more complicated for trans and non-binary fans. Um, and that's sad and awful. And I hope that we can do things to make them feel more welcomed. And if that includes putting in like author notes, then I'm all for that. Tepra's favorite comment, uh, Tepra said, I agree with ADMI on that. We used to disclaim any relation slash ownership over the works when it had legal consequences. I like the idea that we, as fic writers on the whole, might turn back to that trend through the lens of like, this author's views do not represent mine. My favourite comment though was, I came as soon as I heard, which I cannot help but read in Mrs. Bennett's voice, which made me feel as though Netherfield Park is let at last, indeed. Right, so my husband can take blame for the title of the story because uh, <laughs> he was like, listen here are my options for the time. He's very involved in my, in my fandom uh, life. He, he, he's like a stage mother. And, he just gave me <laughs> a stern talking to, and now I must say that he produces the podcast and he is the person asking me the questions right now. And we're very grateful to him and his good ways. Anyway. Uh, so he was like, what about the bolt hole? And bless him in his naive innocence and in mine. Uh, it did not occur to him that every single person who read the bolt hole would think it said the butthole the first time they read it. And I later, I said that after we'd posted it, I mentioned that to Tepper and ADMI and they were both like, oh yeah, no, I knew that. And ADMI was like, that's why I liked the title. <laughs> but I, I was very distressed to realize that. I thought it was such a nice, innocent name. If you enjoyed reading the bolt hole, I think you will also uh, enjoy reading Idiomai's Nice Things, which is not actually my favourite Idiomai fic, which I, I think is actually the one that she's posting right now, Far From The Tree, which is absolutely bonkers. But Nice Things has a very bolt hole vibe. It is just nice. It's an eighth year fic. Uh, it's just, it's very affectionate and sweet and lazy and relaxing and comforting and warm. And I just think if you like this one, you'll like that one. And also, to be honest, you should check out um, all of, all of her fix and all of Tepra's fix. And then I would also recommend Grounds for Divorce by Tepra, which is her magnum opus. It's so gorgeous. I feel like she could just publish it and submit it for a prize of some sort and it probably would win it. Uh, and it also has that kind of slow pining that I think the bolt hole has. So I think either of those fix are really good shouts if you want more of the same kind of vibe as the bolt hole. I also like to recommend like a original novel for people to read so my recommendation is if you liked the bolt hole you would like uh elizabeth von arnim's enchanted april which is about these four women in like i think the 1920s or 30s who basically rent a castle in italy and uh sort of heal themselves through friendship and beautiful italian weather uh and it's just it's really just warm like you feel like it's just it's a sunny hopeful novel uh, and I think it's really really nice and I asked uh, ADMI and Tepra what they would recommend book wise and this is what uh, ADMI said oh Enchanted April is a great shout the queer vibes too I feel like the bolt hole is basically a cozy feel-good story dressed up in a bit of angst and danger so maybe for something similar to that Sarah Perry's The Essex Serpent or if you like stories about big falling apart houses that people have very complicated emotions about and Patchett's The Dutch House. Tepra said, oh man, oh man, I think, maybe because we mentioned it the other day, Eugenie's The Marriage Plot. A lot of it takes place in houses, other people's houses, sick people's houses, rich people's houses. A lot of it is about leaving or staying and why do you stay and why do you leave and the ways in which we keep each other accountable. A lot of pining, 
a lot of sad boys. Be warned. Uh, I haven't read either of... I haven't read The Essex Serpent or The Dutch House or The Marriage Plot, but they all sound great. So there you go. If you are looking to read more original fiction, I have given you quite a few recommendations there because I also uh, would like to remind you about E.M. Forster's Maurice that is also a very, very good novel to read. I'm going to be taking like a week break after posting this because the next story I'm going to be reading out loud is my Hurtfest story. And those are anonymous until October 15th. Once that's not anonymous anymore, I will start um, posting that as a podfic. Um, so I can't tell you anything about it because it's anonymous, but I'm excited to read it. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you got a little something out of my self-indulgent ramblings. Uh, and thank you especially to Tebra and ADMI for answering all of my questions in a Google Doc. I really enjoy doing these bonus episodes. It's been very um, pleasing to me that anyone listens to them because I, I, I do find them uh, truly self-indulgent. Like, I enjoy them so much more than just um, reading out the stories. So it's fun for me. I really appreciate people listening to this because it it's a lot of work and I'm basically being forced into it by my horrible fanfic stage husband so um the fact that people are listening to it is lovely uh and I think it's been growing a little bit because people are telling their friends and that's just so nice it really helps um my ego which is all I care about so um yeah do do tell other people if you think you know someone who would like this Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can get in touch with me at my Instagram at let them eat books with underscores instead of spaces or commenting on the AO3 post for this. And I'll see you in a couple of weeks with my Hurtfest post.